Digiday Podcast. I'm Keely Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kamiko McCoy, senior marketing reporter here at Digiday. Kamiko, happy new year, first and foremost. We made it to 2024, which is exhausting as much as it is uh, invigorating to be in a new year. How are you feeling? Oh my gosh. I feel like we just made it to the finish line and now I am just like catching my breath from last year. What about you? Yeah, it's it's always one of those things where it's like the time off for the holidays is great, but then you kind of feel like you have to get your ducks in a row really fast. Like it, you only really have a week to, I don't know, between like Christmas and the new year to figure out resolutions, get your new agendas going, like figure out key topics for your reporting strategy in the next year. Like it just feels like there's so much that has to be done in such a small period of time. There is too much to do already at the, at the beginning of this year. How are, how are you feeling? What are your resolutions if you have any? You know, you know what's so funny? Last year I had like an entire house party where I invited my best gal pals over and we made our New Year's resolutions. Neither of the resolutions that I put um, have been met. So 2024, but the good thing is this year is a chance to start again. Um, my biggest resolutions this year personally is to do things around my house. I still have not decorated my guest bedroom. I've been here for three years at this point. Um, and guests are still sleeping on the couch. We're going to resolve that this year. Um, personally, I'd like to write more features, um, more profiles and things like that. But I know something that's on everybody's radar is, uh, learning a new language. Yes. Um, that was definitely on my last year's kind of to-do list slash resolution. Um, and I know your guest this week is Catherine Chan, who heads up global social strategy for Duolingo. So I'm sure you guys will get all the details on how they're kind of like really getting people on board with setting up those resolutions. But um, I, I have to admit, I did actually stick with my Duolingo daily practice. I did a full year every single day of Duolingo French. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. Uh, but I'm curious, like, did... Catherine get into like their kind of go-to approach for generating buzz around the brand, getting people using the app, practicing language. Like I know their social strategy is pretty intense, I think relative to a lot of brands, but yeah, like it's such a unique brand. I'm curious how, like what you guys really got into. Yeah. Before I do that, I, I mean, you've set yourself up. You walked right into it. Do you have a French phrase that you can give us? Oh, merd. <laughs> Um, apologies for the explicit uh, word choice I just used, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. And that okay. I also did not learn that from Duolingo. I just want to preface that oh I did not God. learn it there. I'll, I'll attempt to do a full uh, podcast in French. That'll be my resolution for the year. I love that. I love that. Um, but yeah, I, I had a conversation with Kat, um, who was um, phenomenal and somebody that I have been um, pining to speak with for a while. I've had many conversations with Zarya who also heads up their, their social um, and is kind of part of the brains behind Duo the Owl as a character. Um, they blew up on TikTok and it has been a talking point um, for a, a while now, just what they've been able to do and kind of leading up the charge in this idea of like unhinged content and how to make it a strategy that's successful. A lot of people, um, based on the conversation that I had with Kat, a lot of people actually discover Duolingo services and become members of of their services from the unhinged owl and their and their content strategy on on social but obviously with unhinged things 
sometimes, you know, play the role of Icarus and fly a little close to the sun. And they found themselves in that predicament a couple of times. So we got into that a little bit as well, what the learnings come from there and then how those apply to the greater company. So you take an unhinged strategy, you move it into a full-blown strategy and you get the entire global company on board. So that's kind of the the tee up that, that Kat and I talked about and I'm excited to get into it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I will never forget the owl um, shamelessly flirting with Dua Lipa on TikTok. So uh, definitely a unique approach to social marketing. Um, <laughs> and I'm excited to hear your, your guys' conversation. I'll let you get into it. Fantastic. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Ditch Day Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to Duolingo. Um, You guys are a very exciting brand that has somehow managed to make Gen Z obsessed with you. So excited to kind of get into that today. But first, I want to start with a fun question. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. What language have you tried to learn on Duolingo and how you, you knew it was coming? What language have you tried to learn on Duolingo and how's it going? Right now I'm trying French. Um, I'm still pretty early on in the French path, but the reason I do it is because I'm actually married to a Frenchman and his English is great and my French is terrible. So I'm trying to catch up. Um, but he's also figuring out Chinese Mandarin a little bit. I love that. How fun. Yeah. yeah. I also did Duolingo. This is before I went to Cannes earlier this year and I just, I needed to know how to order at a restaurant. Um, but I didn't get as far as I got as far as Xi'an and that, that was as far as that went for me. I'm still working on it. Yeah. That's a, that's an early one. I always think Xi'an is a horse, but actually it's dog. Yeah. I don't I, know why. <laughs> trips me up every single time. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we're on the same page. We've got that in common. Um, so one of the, I, one of the things that I, that I started this conversation off is the idea that somehow Duolingo, which has achieved every brand's dream of having Gen Z be obsessed with it. Um, you guys are a major talking point. So I would love for you to kind of give me the, the scoop on how you guys managed to get Gen Z's attention. What was the strategy behind that? Talk to me about that. Yeah, honestly, you know, I think um, our CEO actually likes to say this, like he doesn't believe in setting particularly long-term strategies. He thinks there is a way of operating that creates good outcomes. And that's our strategy. And I think that our success in Gen Z was really driven by that, you know, the Duolingo method of operating. And just to explain it at a top level, I think it's it's basically all about running experiments and then doubling down or making big bets on what works. And I think a lot of our Gen Z success can be attributed to our success on TikTok, which honestly is attributed to a Gen Z. Um, and the way it happened was, you know, I think TikTok was something we had experimented with, but it hadn't really taken off. So there was a bit of a pause and um, a Gen Z employee at the company, her name is Zaria. She was really passionate about TikTok and thought, hey, I think this could work. You know, we have a very experimental approach. So we were like, yep, go for it. Um, and it took off. And I think that success is really attributed to the Duolingo method. And thankfully, like the company was quick enough to pivot to make sure that we continue to invest in that. And now it, it went from being like, one or two super viral videos to now it's been a couple years. We have, you know, five or six global accounts um, and it's really paid off for us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I've, I've talked to Zaria a couple of times and she's fantastic at what she does. Um, but 
I imagine that there is several people that are acting as the wind, yourself included, acting as the wind beneath her wings here. So talk to me kind of about the other parts of the team um, that that makes the strategy work. Yeah. Um, so we now, when I joined, the social media team was two people. And now I think it's about five of us. Um, and I think what you see coming out on the accounts, especially on like the main Duolingo accounts, is a combination of a bunch of what we call like social content creators. Like everyone on the team is able to ideate, shoot, produce, edit, and ship content. And I think a lot of the work in the strategy has actually been, um, one, I think making sure that the team has a lot of freedom to express themselves creatively. Uh, we have a running rule that we have no rules. <laughs> um, actually, the way I think about it is that we, we basically have like a set guardrails in terms of absolute no's for the brand. But outside of that, there's a lot of freedom and empowerment to kind of try to draw the shortest line from ideation to post. Um, and in social, we have the luxury of being able to ship content a lot and you get a lot of data from that. And so we 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 basically like to mix um, creative inspiration with quantitative analysis. And I think at this point, we have such a good roster of content creators in the team and across the globe that it's not all dependent on, you know, a singular voice, but honestly, full credit to Zaria for really getting us started. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's living every social media manager's dream right now. Right. <laughs> with the creative liberty. Going back to the idea of TikTok, one of the things that made Duo most notable was the idea of unhingedness, of the unhinged content um, that sometimes gets a finger wagging from people. But I, I would love to know, how do you guys navigate that? How do you keep up, you know, um, with with to make sure shareholders are happy, to make sure higher ups are happy mm. and things like that, while also maintaining that unhinged presence? Yeah, I think that... We actually are kind of building on the success of the uh, personality of Duo in the app. Um, even going back years ago, like long before a TikTok presence, Duo himself was a meme. He was known for his very persistent uh, notifications to remind you to do your lesson every day. And that was something that, you know, we were very aware of. And I think as a part of like getting Duo on TikTok and building out his personality, we leaned into what the community sort of already was saying about him. Um, and because it saw such success, I think, you know, honestly, shareholders were thrilled that we were able to so effectively like engage an audience that was valuable, both from a brand and user Based perspective and drive a ton of growth. Like we see a really good flywheel from, you know, we make content that works well on social and really specifically like travels organically. Gen Z and millennial love us. That means like creators and part and brand partners want to work with us. And that actually creates a flywheel where we actually see like more um, we call it earned social impressions, but basically like third parties, like fan accounts posting about memes and our content. Uh, it even outstrips like what we post regularly. So I would say like overall, all the different internal external stakeholders are really happy. But of course, um, we do want to make sure that we get it right in terms of being, we're an all ages app. We want to be age appropriate. Uh, and 
I like to say that, you know, you don't always know where the line is until you cross it. And I'll, I'll fully admit that there have been moments, I think, where we were maybe a little too unhinged, um, but we have a really good process actually of working with a team that kind of focuses on standards and practices. And so when we have like a piece of content that we want to ship that, you know, the team actually uses their own judgment of like, is this appropriate based on our guidelines? But if we have stuff that's like maybe on the line, we'll actually share it with a team who then is really good about like, okay, maybe you can do, like adjust the punchline a little bit. So it's just like a little bit more PG or PG 13, you know, versus maybe a little bit more R let's say. Yeah. It seems yeah. like there's kind of like a script writing process that happens. <laughs> yeah, actually. It's, yes, there is. There is. Um, one of our aspirations is definitely to build up a, a writer's room. I think right now we have, it, we definitely have like a very consistent um, group of people who are ideating, making content, and then we review pretty quickly. But it can really, I again, like I said, we try to have the shortest line from ideation to post, and sometimes that can be as little as 20 minutes. Absolutely. Now, as we're working through these ideas, I have to know, and I'm sure our listeners want to know as well, where does Dua Lipa come in? <laughs> give, me, uh, give me the recap of the relationship between Duo and Dua Lipa, please. You know, I have to say, I think it's pretty unrequited, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, you know, honestly, I think it started with a pun. Uh, and really, we it resonates with all of the audience that we really leaned into it. The dream is to walk the red carpet with Dua Lipa one day. Dua Lipa, if you're out there, <laughs> hit us up. Let us know. <laughs> Duo's wait, waiting for you, and I'm I'll, I'm happy to be a matchmaker. <laughs> Absolutely, exactly, exactly. Um, the idea of unhinged is something that you guys seem to really have a good grasp on, but I think it's a trending word right now that's being thrown around the industry, especially with the the launch of Threads. But what? How do you guys define unhinged content? I think that we define unhinged as uh, a couple of things. One that actually our head of art uh, likes to say about Duolingo that I, I have adapt adopted is Duolingo is a comedy. I think that is a principle that we're pretty strongly trying to adhere to across all our channels. I think secondly, there's a sense of like, we're be we're in on the joke um, you know, I like to say like, you can be the thing and subvert the thing. And what I mean by that is like, you know, a big part of our strategy is that we see duo is a, like a persona. Um, we think of the Duolingo social accounts as duo social accounts, not like a corporate brand social accounts. And he's kind of become an influencer in his own right. And so we're, you know, I think we're sort of like lightly pointing out some of the absurdities of the creator or influencer economy while also really embracing them. Um, and we kind of like to live in that in-between space that's very self-aware, that's very humorous, um, and definitely taps into the zeitgeist of Gen Z. I think one of the things when when you're you're doing unhinged content. I would imagine that a lot of it lives in this gray area. So I'm curious, was there ever a time that you could tell us about where Duo did kind of step into, uh, cross the line a little bit, and what were the learnings that came from that? Uh, so a part of our strategy is actually uh, 
to comment on stories that maybe Duolingo aren't isn't directly involved in. Uh, so as a part of personifying Duo, you know, he comments on a lot of TikTok videos, for example, that are not necessarily about language learning or about him directly. And um, we once commented on a video that featured Amber Heard um, with a comment that I think looking back is like definitely something that we would not have done. You know, this was during the time when Amber Heard and Johnny Depp were going through their divorce proceedings. It was obviously like a massive um, flashpoint in the culture. And we removed it almost immediately. But it had basically, you know, nothing disappears on the internet. Um, And it did cause a bit of a news cycle. And in, in this case, I think like, we had a lot of internal discussions about it. And I think what really came of it was one, you know, we made sure that we had these clear standard and practices guidelines, which now we have a process for if we think stuff might be on the edge, let's run it by the standards and practices team. And that's actually helped a lot. Um, and then I think the second thing is definitely realizing that, like, especially in storylines that are so polarized in in the culture um it's probably not a good idea to take a side unless it is something you know that we have a really strong stance on in terms of our brand values you know so for example we're very overtly an inclusive brand we have characters if you've used our app we have characters who um are have like fluid gender identity and are have like a very variety of like sexual orientations and ethnic backgrounds. And so we will, you know, obviously say something about Pride Month, for example, or try to like speak through our characters, basically. So those are cases where we want to take a stance. But if it's not directly speaking to our values of inclusivity, diversity, or access to education, um, we have learned that it doesn't like make sense for us to sort of bring our voice to the table. Also, because like, People don't really want to hear from brands on a lot of that stuff is my personal opinion. But that was definitely a lesson learned for us. Yeah. But going back to like, like you said, um, you know, sometimes you don't know the, where the line stands until you've crossed it. Hence a learned lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. After a message from our sponsor, we'll be right back. We talked a lot about TikTok um, and, and an unhinged strategy there, but I'm curious, what does the social strategy look like um, as far as like messaging and, and, and duos characteristics across other platforms? I would imagine that the unhinged uh, would be a heavy lift to manage across all platforms. So we have a character Bible for all our characters, including duo, which, you know, has like basic personality traits. Uh, and I think we try to make sure that all of our accounts follow that to a certain degree. Um, and Duo is one we have a lot of fun with because I think he sort of has the most, most flexibility in the app. He's like this fun coach who just like all he wants is to get you to do your lesson. And actually his desperate desire for you to learn lets us get away with a lot of fun personality stuff because he's doing it all for a good reason. 
right? Like he's doing it to try to get you to build a good habit and uh, educate yourself. Um, and so he'll go to any lengths basically to do that, even like show up at the Barbie premiere in an all pink <laughs> outfit. Um, in the different markets, that has manifested itself in different ways. You know, in we have a German account on TikTok and the way we launched that was um, we actually had Duo stand in line at Berghain to the sort of like a legendary Berlin club dressed in kind of like a clubbing outfit. So we like to joke that like Germany duo is a clubbing duo <laughs> um, and U.S. duo is Barbie duo. Uh, and I think like each of the accounts where duo has manifested, I think we have like nine suits out in the world now, mascot suits, um, has shown a slightly different personality in a very local way. So like in Japan, for example, duo is very into anime. Anime I duo. love that. Yeah. I do wonder if there will ever be a time where Duo has his Barbie moment where there's the the Duo movie. <laughs> you know what? We want, I mean, Duolingo multiverse is real. <laughs> um, we just launched a very sort of weird experimental 10 episode sitcom on YouTube. They're like 10 one-minute episodes featuring our character Lily, who I think after Duo is one of the most popular characters. She's the purple girl. She's um we like to compare it to like a Wednesday Adams or like an April Ludgate at Par- in Parks and Rec. And we this sitcom sort of follows like a very funny narrative arc of her being sort of trapped in this perfect 90s suburban home. Um, but she slowly realized things aren't as they seem. So I think, do I mean, we would love to do a movie. We, we think about um, our characters as a little bit like Sesame Street for adults, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For for each of these characters, I know you said that they have a Bible. Do, do they also come with kind of like brand parameters um, given like to make sure that we don't once again meet said line? <laughs> Yes. Um, I think the Bible is a part of those, it sort of like helps create those parameters. Um, I mean, I think a really easy example is like, you know, there's obviously the meme of duo sort of kidnapping people if they don't do their lesson, like that's very prominent online. But you'll notice that, you know, we never sort of directly show that happening. I mean, we might like wink and nudge at it. Um but I think we try to make sure that whatever we do, we're, you know, obviously never encouraging violence, no matter how absurd. Um, so yes, I think there, those are sort of like the lines that we try to make sure not to cross. The other, the other characters, I feel like th- that's less of a concern because their personalities are just, they're more human, right? They're, they're not like yeah. a crazy green owl. Um, so there's sort of less risk there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do these characters also play out across, I guess, walk me through the other platforms. Um, We talked about TikTok and YouTube, but what other platforms do these characters kind of live on? Are there presences or personalities on threads, on Twitter? Well, X now. Yeah, I guess it's X now. Um, Yeah, so we are pretty active on X, um, as well as Instagram. In some markets, we're active on Facebook. Um, and then we have tested some local market accounts. Like, you know, we obviously have a Douyin in China. Um, you know, in Brazil, there's a platform called Coup that we, which I think a little bit like a Twitter clone, um, that we've experimented with. 
TikTok, I would say, is a big one for us. And then YouTube, we're really developing and we expect to see that as like a much bigger part of our reach soon. One of the things that you mentioned is obviously Duolingo is in growth mode right now. We've got other markets and whatnot. We've got other duos. Um, So kind of curious how the social strategy bubbled up from where it was with the two people on the team to go across the globe where it is now. How does that change your job? I think it's been a really fun experience to kind of scale out his personality across different markets. We have um, marketing managers in our priority markets who are really responsible for sort of like overseeing the marketing in that market. And I work with them pretty closely to find either, you know, good partners or just basically the right talent um, to launch and continue to like ship content on those channels. Uh, The role has moved from you know, being maybe more focused on content creation to, you know, write, writing more guidelines and um, reviewing content more often. I mean, I think as things scale, that happens. But in general, actually, I think we've been pretty good about making sure that everyone is as close to creation, content creation as possible. Um, like one thing I love is like we have a, a group Slack where like everyone who basically is responsible for a duo account is trading trends and um, ideas. And we're, there's this like really great creative energy that I think is really focused on like shipping stuff and experimenting that has been really great to see. Um, and there's lots of like crossover that we didn't expect. So one example is, you know, I was talking about anime duo in Japan and actually there's a pretty strong anime fandom in the U S also. And we've experimented with like cross posting some of that content and it's done really well for us. I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up there is this idea that duo's personality um, kind of shows up differently in each of these different cultures. Cause each of these different cultures has to be accounted for, excuse me, how cultural moments in the U.S. are not the same cultural moments that happen in Japan. So talk to me a little bit about how you guys navigate that. Are there language barriers and culture barriers? How do you guys kind of go about that? Yeah. um, Actually, this just came up in a meeting the other day. Uh, There's a really great book called The Culture Map, which is all about, you know, just talking about how different cultures approach work. So one example is like, you know, Germany might be more confrontational in their communication style than like China or Japan, which is much more indirect and about reading, reading through the lines. And I think one of the takeaways from that book is that you shouldn't um, actually try to adapt other cultures uh, styles because it's actually just too nuanced, but rather like leave space for and be aware of the differences. And so I think that manifests itself by, Honestly, just one, like trying to spend a lot of time together. And then two, I find that when you're actually talking about creative ideas, it gets a lot easier to overcome the culture differences because the internet has no borders. The dynamics on these platforms are very global. Um, And I think we all know entertaining content when we see it, which is really what we're striving for. I'm going to shift gears really quickly. Um, I think Right now, you've got a very fragmented social landscape um, with the competition between organic ads, paid ads. You've got a slew of platforms that crop up and pass away within, you know, literally business days sometimes. So kind of curious, 
what are what would you say are the biggest challenges facing social teams right now? And how are you guys navigating said challenges? Yeah, it's a good question. I've been in social for a really long time. Um, you know, prior to Duolingo, I was at Red Bull and Tesla and those roles, you know, varied, but also included social. And I think that now social is in a place where it's obviously a really big part of the marketing mix, but one of the challenges that I think any social media manager or director experiences is that it's actually a very generalized skill set. Like you have to be a copywriter. You have to be a bit of an art director. You're a bit of a creative director. You're a video producer. Um, you're a brand manager. And I think that that the challenge of that is like trying to make sure that you are able to kind of wear all these hats while also sort of working with teams that might be a little bit more specialized. Like I feel that like social is growing up, but the way social marketing works versus the way more traditional marketing works, which is very like campaign based, um, can sometimes have a bit of tension because social, I think is all about like experimenting and iterating, uh, on small things quickly. Whereas like advertising is traditionally like put a ton of effort into one TV ad that then goes everywhere. But social is about like a bunch of messages that go to very specific audiences. And so I, I think like sometimes it's a matter of education, internal education, you know, talking to other teams and trying to get them to understand like where we're coming from. Um, and, I think it's also a matter of like tying social to impact, which we've been lucky that it's been really easy to show that the virality on TikTok has driven significant user growth for us. But I think not a lot of other people have as easy of a path to like showing how it actually impacts business metrics. Yeah, I, that was actually kind of going to be something that I was going to ask about next is kind of how does metrics show up here for you guys, um, especially again, across a fragmented social media marketplace. Yeah. So we have um, a survey called, how did you hear about us? When a new user downloads the app and signs up, they are asked like, how did, how did you hear about us? And TikTok is one of the options. So we actually can see a direct correlation. Like when a video gets millions of views, there's a spike in people who choose TikTok or like YouTube, for example, as this is like why I'm signing up for Duolingo. Um, and it drives a pretty significant amount of our growth. So we've been able to point to that. Yeah. Would you, this, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but would you know off the top of your head, what percentage of people come straight from TikTok? Um, I do, but I can't share the number publicly, but I can say, I think I can say that in the last, in the last couple of years, it's been million, like in the millions. Oh, wow. The last thing that I wanted to ask you is obviously, um, Unhinged Duo has gotten us pretty far, but where do you go from here? How do you manage to keep the brand fresh, relevant, and, and, and that type of thing? Yeah. Um, that's a question that I think about a lot. <laughs> I... <laughs> I think that we want to continue to develop our characters. To me, there's really something there to the idea of like Sesame Street for adults. Um, I feel like a lot of our success depends on making our characters relatable. We often say that we want, you know, we want Duo to be as recognizable as Mickey Mouse. Um, and that's actually a goal our CEO has set for us. And we're like, okay, we got to figure out how to do that. Um, <laughs> but I think that also means like exploring 
other types of video content that's not just like super short form. Um, the sitcom is a good experiment for us. I think we want to maybe try to be a little bit more ambitious in our storytelling. Um, and then I think introducing new characters is also a big part of that. Um, lastly, I would say we really want to bring a bit of craft into our work in terms of, you know, right now TikTok is all like it's shot on mobile. A lot of stuff happens super quickly. Um, and I think we want to continue that scrappy ethos, but also figure out like how we can add a little bit more like lighting, for example, or reveals. Um, how can we develop duo more with like props or sets? Like what are the storylines that we want to develop? We think about our um, accounts as a sitcom. And so it's really about talking about like storylines, um, sets and production. You know, something else that I, I should have asked about earlier, but but I didn't. So I'm going to ask now. Um, we talked a little bit about the idea of like organic versus paid and kind of how that's like a um, an arms race right now, thanks to TikTok mm-hmm. virality. So talk to me a little bit about has organic been like a saving grace for you guys for paid strategy or kind of what is the, the, the juxtaposition for those two look like for you guys? So overwhelmingly, our reach is all organic. That is what we optimize for. Um, we will sometimes put a little bit of paid media behind it if we see that it's already performing well, it's resonating with an audience. So that kind of, I think, justifies additional investment. Um, that said, I would say like 90% plus of our reach is organic. So I really personally believe that organic impressions are more valuable. Um, you know, people don't like being advertised to. And I think the audience, especially Gen Z, is like really savvy about what's an ad and what isn't. Um, so as much as possible, we we actually try to make sure that the content works organically. Yeah. And with this, we're closing out the year. So talk to me, biggest learning um, that your team has had from 2023. Biggest learning from 2023. I know a good philosophical. It's been a crazy year, right? Like now I have to like think back, like what's (laughs) happened this year? (laughs) Literally everything. So I think the biggest learning from 2023 is this idea of tapping into niche interests or fandoms um, as a way to grow our user base. Um, We are lucky that Duolingo and language itself is like very tied to culture. So Things like K-pop or anime obviously have a really easy tie-in. And we've run some test campaigns of like tapping into the idea of like Duo or Lily as a K-pop stan. And that's gone really well. And I think that's something we want to continue in the next couple of years. We're actually mapping out like what are the fandoms that make sense for us to try to communicate with and like engage with. Perfect. That's exciting. You guys have a lot of a, a long roadmap ahead. And I am so grateful that I got to spend some time exploring the duoverse with you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the Digiday podcast, Catherine. It was great having you. Yeah, thank you too. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. 